0: This morning I want to talk to you about my message is entitled why I'm committed to the church. But I really think that God wants you to know why he is committed to the church. See, the Lord is committed. He is dedicated to the body. He's dedicated to the family of God. He's dedicated to the the local church. He's for the church. He loves the church. He died for the church. He is working right now, establishing his church, watching over it, protecting it, leading, guiding. He's building his church. Several weeks ago, whenever I spoke, I shared with you a message about why I love the church. And we gave you some reasons from Scripture that we should love the church. We love the church because Jesus loved the church and he paid for the church or he purchased the church with his own blood. We said that I love the church because the church is made up of sinners like you and me who have been saved by grace through his blood. We've been saved by the grace of God. And now we have been given a place, a place that we belong. We love the church because the church is what Jesus is engaged in right now. If you want to know what he's doing right now, sometimes people think he's kicked back in heaven. No, the word says, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So even now, Jesus is building and establishing his church. Those are the reasons why we love the church. Today, I want to share with you why I'm committed to the church. Plenty of people talk about love, and in the first service, we were doing a baby dedication. When we talk about love, and you know, a lot of times people say, well, I love the church. I love the family of God. I love, and it's kind of this thing that's kind of out there, and as I was doing the baby dedication, this spider web somehow was coming down from there, and so I saw it, and it kept bothering me, and I'm reaching out at it to try to get it, and I think people thought I was a little crazy, but that's kind of how it is when we talk about, you know, sometimes when people talk about, well, yeah, I love the family, I love the idea of family, I love the idea of marriage, I love marriage, and then they get married, and they're like, well, wait a minute, family, and marriage, and church, the idea of it's wonderful, but sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it gets a little messy, right? it gets a little messy. It's not always this idealistic thing that we think life is going to be. But in spite of that, we still love the church. We still love our families. We still love our marriage. And plenty of people talk about love. They say they love this and that. They love the Lord. But you see little tangible evidence of their love for the Lord other than their verbal declaration. I want to suggest to you today That our commitment and our devotion is love in action. In Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13, it speaks about spiritual gifts. And after it speaks about spiritual gifts, it makes this statement. It says, love must be sincere. So your love must be authentic. Hate what's evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Did you hear that? Sincere love. It says love must be sincere. Sincere love involves hating what's evil, clinging to what is good. Sincere love, I never really looked at this before, but sincere love is being devoted to one another in brotherly love. Sincere love is honoring one another above yourselves. Sincere love is never being lacking in zeal, but keeping your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Sincere love involves sharing with God's people who are in need. Sincere love involves practicing hospitality. Sincere love is when we're devoted to one another in brotherly love. And that brings me to our first point. The Lord is committed to the church, and I am committed to the church, because it's the family of God. Look to the person next to you and say, the church is the family of God. When the Bible speaks of the church... One of the terms that it uses is the household of God. God is our Father, and we are his children. We are heirs of God. The scripture says that we're joint heirs with Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 says, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also. Members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone, in him the whole body is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him too, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. In first John chapter three, it says this. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as he is. Logan, when she chose those songs, that, that one song talked about that distance that's between what we're going to be and what we are. That space of we love the Lord, we know him, we've entered into relationship with him and yet sometimes we haven't reached that perfection, all that we're going to be. But we know this, we know that we're going to be changed. We've already been changed. But we're going to see him as he is. So he's working in our lives. Paul instructed a young pastor named Timothy on how he was to interact with members of the church. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, he tells Timothy, "Hey Timothy, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men, what? As brothers. Older women as mothers. Younger women as sisters with absolute purity. It's an amazing thing how God, and I want you to hear this, God does it. It's not because you have a really good program for it to happen. Those are helpful, okay? It's not because of a class, but God supernaturally somehow unites the members of the body together as one. I don't know how he does it. In some ways, it goes beyond us, our understanding. But God has a way of uniting members of the body together as the family of God. When I grew up in church, I don't know if any of you went to a church like this. When I grew up in church, they called each other brother and sister. And it would be Brother Jeff. It would be Brother Paul, Sister Mary Jane, Sister Sue, Sister Richie. You didn't call each other necessarily by the first name or by the last name, but you would call them brother and sister so-and-so. We sang songs like, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel the sod. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. See, there was this recognition somehow that uh, even in the songs that we sang, that the church is truly the family of God. And even though we seldom hear that type of terminology in our society today, again and again when people come to know Christ and get connected to the family of God, to the church, I hear many of them say, they say things like, Pastor, Pastor, I feel closer to my church family than I do my own biological brothers or sisters. I have relationships. And this is particularly true when someone is born again. You know what I mean? If you grew up in a family whose people are born again, and sometimes you have that connection, but there's a spiritual connection that you have with the rest of the body. And it's amazing. It's it's amazing how God accomplishes that. That's because we're a part of the family of God. They'll have that sense that I can depend upon my church brothers and sisters. They understand me. They know more about me. I connect with them on a level that I can't even connect on with my own blood, people will say. Why is that? Because God has established the church as the family of God. You have a place there. You belong there. He designed the church to literally be the family of God for that connection. It's the visible demonstration of the family in action is the local church. I want to say that again. The visible demonstration of the family of God is the local church. We may come from different backgrounds. We may come from different nationalities, different races, different experiences. But one thing we have in common, we have been united together as one. That was Jesus' prayer, that they may be one. He has united the church, the body, the family of God together as one because of the blood of Jesus. You know what, no matter where we go around the world, there's people who we come into contact with that we have a connection with them because of the blood of Jesus. It's amazing the love that God places in our hearts for one another. You come around and you put yourself in that place and you allow yourself and you take down the barriers and the walls and you will find that God does that. In your life. He just makes it happen. You don't know how it is. You don't know why you care so much. You don't know why you want to help those people. You don't know why you feel led to pray for them. You don't know why you feel concerned for them. You don't know why you start feeling that connection with them. But when you place yourself in the body of Christ. When you allow yourself to be a part. And don't separate yourself from the body. You will find that God will establish you in the family of God. It's a beautiful thing. The second thing. Why the Lord is committed to the church. Why I'm committed to the church. And why you should be committed to the church. Because the church is the body of Christ. And we need one another. We desperately need one another. First Corinthians chapter 12 says this. Now the body is not made up of one part but of many. If the foot should say because I'm not the hand I don't belong to the body it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, and I want you to notice this part, God has arranged... The parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Do you hear that? God has arranged the parts of the body just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. And notice what verse 21 says. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. And this next line. But God has combined the members of the body, and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part is honored and rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you, is a part of it. Did you hear that last thing? It says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. I'm committed to the church because I've learned that I need it to survive spiritually. Your body can survive without your ear. I don't know if your ear can really survive very well without the rest of your body though. Huh? Your body may survive, but it's not going to thrive. The principle that the scripture teaches is that every part of the body is vitally important. I've learned that I need the rest of the body. I need the church. I need the church. I need the relationships. I need the friendships. I need the encouragement. I need the prayers. I need the support. I need help sometimes. I need a friend who will walk with me. I need someone to talk to and someone to counsel me. I need a place where I can use my gifts and my talents. I need someone who cares enough about me to tell me when they see me going the wrong direction. I need someone to believe with me for impossible things. I need someone who has faith to stand with me in faith. I need the wisdom, the insight, the gifts, the talents, the abilities that are resident In the body of Christ. To fill in the places where I lack. I need the church. And friend you need the church too. For the church is the body of Christ. The church is Christ. Visible representation. Representatives here upon the earth. The Bible says that we are Christ ambassadors. That we represent him. Not only do I need the church. And not only do you need the church, but the church needs us. Look to the person next to you and say, the church needs us. Verse 21 says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Now, some of you may say, well, who am I? I'm not a part that seems, I don't feel like I'm a part that's real important. Pastor, I'm not important. But God says you are. In fact, God says that you're indispensable. He says you're indispensable to the body. We're committed to the church because we need the church. But we're also committed to the church because the church needs us. I wish some people would get that in their head and get that in their heart. I wish that people would understand how desperately the church needs you to be all that God created and designed you to be. I wish that the people would understand how God has specifically created you and gifted you and designed you and placed you within the body of Christ so that when you function like you are supposed to, the church reaches its potential and it does what God has called it to do. Yes, I can go along. You can cut off my legs and if they stop the bleeding... I can live. You can cut off my arms. And if they stop the bleeding, I can live. I'm losing my hair. So you can cut off the rest of my hair and I will live. What would we say about that type of person? We say the person has been handicapped. So God has placed you within the body and he's given you gifts. And friends, the church needs you. The body of Christ needs you. One of the things about being committed to the church, when my kids were little, They tried to maybe like middle school, late elementary, middle school. Sometimes people will say they try to pull some of these things on you and, you know, trying to say things. I forget who it was. Since Logan's in here, we'll blame Landon, okay? (laughs) I don't see him around. We'll blame this one on Landon. When the kids were little, I remember we had this one discussion. And we only ever had it one time. I like as a dad to have discussions once and settle the issue. Can every dad in the house say amen? Huh? Let's not keep going back and revisiting this. And it was that thing where that just it was just for a moment. It was very brief. But it was, oh, well, we're the pastor's kids. Some people in their homes, the pastor's kids can't do things because we're the pastor's kids. Listen. That's not the way it works in my house. And I explained to my kids that day how it works in our house. And I think whenever we can't do things because we're the pastor's kids or because I'm a deacon in a church, we can't do that because I'm a deacon in the church and will everybody think. I think you call that hypocrisy, okay? It's hypocrisy, it's living a lie. And if you want to set up your family to not God and have an issue with God and have an issue with church, and with their relationship with God, then you make your issues about, well, I'm a a Sunday school teacher, and I can't do that. The reality of it is, is you want to do it. You know what I mean? You want to do it, but you're not going to. And so my kids, we started talking about something in church, and it being, and I said, no, 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 wait a minute. We do what we do because of who we are. I don't give a rip. I don't mean that to sound smart or whatever. I don't really give a rip about what other people's opinions. I do care, but I... I do what I do because of who we are. It doesn't matter if I'm a plumber, if I'm a salesman, if I'm a truck driver. It doesn't matter what my job is. What we do is based upon who we are in the Lord. What we do is based upon what we believe and what we know to be. And so the reason why we go to church is because that's who we are. We're faithful. We are faithful to the Lord. The reason why we don't participate in certain activities is because of what we believe. It has nothing to do with the church. It has nothing to do with Sister Jones complaining about it or things like that. It is This is who we are as a family. We make up our mind, what we believe, what we know to be true and that's how we live. So we're not doing this to please Harley because Harley lives down the street. We're not doing this to please someone else because of their opinion we've established in our hearts this is who we are who we are the reason why you love the church and are committed to the church is because it's who you are you're committed you're devoted you've made up your mind that's who you are. Committed people, just you're just committed. It's just the way. Kind people are kind. Devoted people are devoted. Honest people are honest. Faithful people are faithful. The reason why you're devoted to your church is because that's who you are. You are devoted. You're committed. As I said to you, faithful people are faithful people. It's who you are. Finally, I'm committed to the church because I'm indebted to it. 35 years ago, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ, 15, 16-year-old kid, and he changed my life. Sometimes we don't realize how drastically he has changed our lives until we look back. Sometimes in our walk with God, we're always looking at the things we need to grow into yet. Did any of you do it that way? For me, sometimes I look at my prayer life needs to be stronger. Lord, my spiritual disciplines need to be stronger. Oh, Lord, my witnessing needs to be strong. I have all of these things where I say, God, I could do better in. And, and a lot of times I focus, Lord, you know, help me to be a better dad. Help me to be a better husband. Lord, give me wisdom in administrating the church. And, and we spend our time a lot of times thinking about the areas that we could improve in. I want to encourage you for a moment to look back to what God has already done in your life. What a glorious work he has already accomplished inside of you. And sometimes, as I said, we have to look back to realize all that God has done. Since the day Jesus entered my heart, he changed the way that I saw things. I began to see people differently. I saw things differently. My priorities changed I started caring about things that I didn't care about before. Things that weren't important to me were now important to me. And things that had been important to me before, they no longer hold their value. I started caring about people. I started caring about his kingdom. I started caring about his church and lost interest in a lot of other stuff. What did God use to change my life? He used the church. Now I've told you that I came to Jesus, I've rededicated my life to him at a youth rally. I don't know who that speaker was. I don't even remember where the, I think it's somewhere in Hagerstown, Maryland, but I don't remember all of the details of it. But I know that it was through the church then that God changed my life. And it's through the church now that he's continuing to change my life. Yes, there's numerous individuals who played a part, but God used his church And I will be, I want you to hear me, I will be forever, forever indebted to him and to his church. The reality about God is I can't pay God back. I can't pay him back. There's nothing that I have that he has need of. There's nothing that I could give to him that would add to him or add to his character or meet his needs. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are, the one version says, we are debtors. Not to the flesh. This version says, we have an obligation. We are debtors, but not to the flesh. To live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Remember talking about family? For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received a spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. As I said to you, I'm a debtor. I will always be a debtor. There's nothing that I can offer to God that, as I said before, that he has need of. But as a debtor, I show my gratitude. I show my thankfulness to God for all he has done for me. Don't ever forget. What he's done for you. Don't ever get so high and mighty. That you think you did it for yourself. Don't ever come to the point. Where you don't recognize yourself. You will forever be. Indebted to the Lord. For his grace. And his mercy. And his kindness. And his love to you. You will forever be. Indebted to him. We show our love. And our gratitude. And our thankfulness to him. By serving his family, by caring for his body, by looking out for his bride. Sometimes there's nothing that we could necessarily do for him, but when we minister to his church, his bride, his children, we show our love for him. As I said, there's nothing I can do to pay him back, but I show my love. By loving, serving, and ministering to his body, his bride, his family, the church. And that's why I'm committed to the church. I hope that you are too. Rest of your life, all he's done for you. Show your thankfulness to him. Show your appreciation to him. By what? By finding someone else and showing the love of Christ to them, by caring for somebody else by ministering to somebody else, by finding your place in his body, in his body, in his family, and serving and loving them with all of your heart. That's how we minister to him. He doesn't need anything else that you have. can't add anything to him. But you know what? You delight his heart. You bless his heart. You bring joy and peace And satisfaction and delight to him when you care and minister and are a part of his family. We shared with you that the church is the family of God. That the church is the body of Christ. And we shared with you that you and I are forever indebted to the Lord for all he has done. As I close, I want to put a challenge before you. I want to put an encouragement before you. Don't stay away from the family. Don't stay away. Don't let things come between you and the family of God. Don't be separated from the body. You won't survive. You won't survive. And don't be ungrateful to God for all he's done for you. Ingratitude would simply be... Walking around without caring for and ministering and being a part and touching his bride, the church. I want to pray a blessing over you. I don't know where you stand today. I'm not sure what your connection is with the church and with the rest of the body of Christ. I pray today that God has placed you in the church. And that you'll let him firmly establish you as a part of the body of Christ. That you'll let him firmly establish you and say, God, use me. You know, as I was praying, I was thinking of some people are almost, they're a shoulder in the body of Christ. They're an arm, but they're out of socket. They're dislocated. And all they need is just a little adjustment. They were created to serve. They were created to be used of God. They were created... To touch other people's lives. And so I'm just going to pray that over you. Father today. I thank you for this beautiful congregation here at Lighthouse. So many kind. Wonderful people. Who you have placed within the body. In accordance with your will. Now I pray. In the name of Jesus. That you would firmly establish them. As a part of the church of the body of Christ. Not just the church universal. But God the visible church that people can see. The visible church that people can pray with. The visible church that meets the needs of God's people. The visible church that teaches. The visible church that cares for people. Lord I pray that you would establish them in the church. And use them for your honor and for your glory. I pray, Father, I thank you. I know that you love the church. You've proven that. Now, I pray that in this room, that you would supernaturally put a love and a concern for the body of Christ within the hearts of each person here. I pray that their level of commitment to one another, their level of commitment to you, their level of commitment to the mission of the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to make disciples. I pray, Father, that their level of commitment would increase. A hundredfold today that they just wake up and say honey we got to change some things we got some things out of line we're changing the way we do our finances we're changing the way we do our calendar we're changing what the priorities in our life are we're recommitting ourselves to the work of the lord and establishing god's kingdom here in new holland and fulfilling the will of god in our lives and in the lives of others we will never regret a moment of loving and giving ourselves for the church because it's what Jesus died for, for the body of Christ, for the family of God. Thanks for letting us be a part of it, Lord. Move mightily in our lives, and we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And everybody said, amen.